Thank you so much for joining us online today at Christ Covenant Church. We hope you sense God's presence and are encouraged by the message. Now, here's Pastor Ryan Weems. All right, let's finish this series that we're currently in, New Year Near You. New You. John chapter 4 is where we're going to be today. John chapter 4, and I'm going to start in verse 5. Now, if you're brand new, the last three weeks, and you can find all these messages on YouTube On Demand or Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to your podcasts. Um, but the first three weeks of this series, we've been talking about the inside, that, that we want to focus on us first, what God wants to do in us. And we've had a lot of different topics. We talked fasting, prayer, uh, godliness. I mean, we, did, we talked about so much. Uh, but this week, we're going to move from the inward to the outward and what God wants to do through us. So John chapter 4 and verse 5. If you don't have a Bible, I think there's a couple in the back you can grab. You can use your YouVersion Bible app. It's always more fun if you follow along with me. But of course, we'll have a giant Bible behind me. And I just want to give you a heads up. It didn't happen in first service. It may happen in this service. Uh, but anytime like it rains a drop, there's, there's a possibility we'll lose power, okay? And if you've been around for a year, you know, that's happened a lot. Like somebody sneezes and we lose power, okay? And so if that happens, we got flashlights and, and all the classrooms downstairs, they got window, windows and our team, they, they know the protocols to try to do our part to get us back up. And so just so you know, if we lose power, I'm going to keep preaching because I got a word for you. If you got to pull out your cell phone and almost like you're at a concert, you know, whatever you got to do, but I'm going to keep going. And if anything, if it happens, it will help you remember this message even more. Okay. I just want to prep you on that because it could happen, but it's okay. Uh, we'll roll with it and we'll work with it. But John 4 verse 5, I am so excited to share this with you. Here's what it says. So he, who's he? This is Jesus. So Jesus came to a town in Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from his journey, remember, Jesus in the flesh, 100% God, 100% man. I don't understand that, neither do I, but it's true. It's accurate, 100% God, 100% man. All right, so he's tired in his humanity, so he sat down by the well, taking a water break, and it was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? And his disciples, they had gone into town to buy food. So the Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew and I'm a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. And I'll give you context here very, very soon about that. Verse 10, Jesus answered her, if you only knew the gift of God and who it is that asked you for a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where can you get this water from? She's confused, right? She, she ain't getting it. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself as did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Let's stop there for a moment. I know there's a lot of verses, but we're going to pick back up in the story. But first, would you bow your heads with me? Close your eyes. God, thank you for what you've already done today. Thank you for passages like this in your word that preach themselves. There's so much going on. So much we can learn from, no matter where we're at in our walk with you. And I know there's people in this service that it's their first time um, in a church in a long time, maybe first time ever. 
I know there's people also that are seasoned saints and they've been in churches for decades. But I pray for all of us, whether we're familiar with this story or not, that you would speak to us, that you'd bring something new, something fresh to light, and not just for somebody else, but for us. And so God, I pray what I pray all the time, that we wouldn't just read the Bible, but we would ask your word, the Bible, to read us, that we would apply it to our lives because every single person can take away at least one thing today. So God, have your way, speak to me and through me for your people, and God will give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray, amen, amen, amen. All right, to get started today, I wanna to get you thinking, kind of get the motors running in your mind. And I know it's, it's pouring rain outside, and, and that's the forecast for the next several days. I get all of that. But I want you to go back um, to the last time in your life. Um, think back to the last time that you were really thirsty, okay? So not as a child, but as, as an adult, and go back to that time now. Just to clarify, when I say last time you were thirsty, I am not talking about love or relationships. That's next week's message, okay? That's the next series. I'm talking about like, like, like you're dehydrated. You, you need some water. It, it's hot outside. So think about this. Go back to, and it, we'll probably have this in a month from now. It didn't have to even be summer. But go back to a time maybe this past summer, and y'all know here in Houston, it's not just, you know, 100 degrees outside, but we got 100% humidity to go with it. It's that kind of heat that's like nowhere else, and, and you park in the parking lot here, and then just you getting out of your car, even at, you know, early in the morning, and walking into our building, you start sweating. You know what I'm talking about? Like that kind of heat and back sweat, all that kind of stuff. I sweat my forehead. Y'all know that's why I always got to have my hanky up here. And so, so think back to that moment. And in those moments where you're really hot, maybe you're working in the yard, whatever it is, all that heat, all that humidity, in those moments when you've got a real thirst, anything will do for you right like you'll drink anything of course you prefer ice water but even if ice water is not available you'll drink a soda because you're thirsty you'll even drink and this is really gross you even drink like a like a warm soda right you're like, i'll do whatever whatever i need to you'll, you'll drink lemonade which lemonade is great like on a hot summer day but not when you're dying of thirst right you're just gonna get more thirsty you'll drink anything when you're really really thirsty and and I remember even growing up, and I'm not too bougie for this now. Maybe you are, I don't know. But I, I, I would drink hose water, y'all. You know, now, now, and it's pro tip, you know, for our kids. Like, they got to let it run for a moment, right, to clear some of that stuff out. But there ain't nothing like hose water on a hot summer day when you're working in the yard. And even beyond that, and maybe you haven't been in this moment before, but, but think about somebody who's in a life or death situation. One of those survival shows, Bear Grylls, right? And when you're in a life or death situation, it's not just anything will do. You'll even drink nasty, stagnant creek water, right? Because you're like, hey, I'll deal with what's going to happen later, later. I need something now because I'm dehydrated. I'm really, really thirsty. And I say all of that to point us back to John 4 because this woman at the well, and maybe you as well, but this woman... She is dehydrated in her spirit. In fact, that's my title. Can y'all put that on the screen? Dehydrated spirits. If you're taking notes, write that down. I, I joked with them yesterday at Shift Conference. I hadn't said it in a while. I'm gonna say it right now. We believe around here that note takers are history makers, okay? And so write that down. Dehydrated spirit. That's where this woman is. She's dehydrated in her spirit. She is thirsty and nothing is satisfying. And again, maybe you're in that same place. Now, Allow me to kind of set the scene up 
I know some of you know this story, a lot don't know this story, but regardless, you're gonna get something fresh and new. But I wanna set up the scene of what we read and even what we're about to read later on because there's a lot happening in this story. There's a lot that's taking place culturally, a lot of things that are kind of hidden just right beneath the surface, and so I want to kind of spell it out for you. But as we read at the beginning, Jesus and his disciples, his boys, they are traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee. And if you could back then, you couldn't, but if you could uh, back then like pull up Google Maps, you would see that when you were traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee, the shortcut did go through Samaria. So from the outside looking in, it makes sense. Jesus is busy. He's got ministry to do. He's going to take the shortest route. That makes sense from the outside, but here's the truth that you need to know. Even though that was absolutely accurate, Jewish people like Jesus and like the disciples, they didn't take that shortcut. They'd be traveling, and this is very common, from Jerusalem to Galilee, and they would skip Samaria. They would go around it, even though... The trip would take them twice as long. So it'd be like me in, in our context that I decide one day, I don't know why I decide to do this, but hey, I'm going to walk to Oklahoma. So I'm going to do that. And I say that because they didn't have cars, they couldn't Uber, they couldn't fly back then, right? So they're walking most places. So let's say I decide that I'm going to walk from here, Houston, to Oklahoma, but I don't want to go through Dallas. That was Dallas. Amen. <laughs> I'll pay you later. That was awesome. That was a perfect time. That was great. <laughs> we can just amen right now and leave. You know, it was just so good. But I want to go through Dallas. You know, those Dallas people, I can't stand them. I think they're better than people in Houston. In fact, and I'm from Dallas, a lot of you know that. But a lot of people in Dallas think Dallas is bigger than Houston. Spoiler alert, it's not. If we, if we, if we fought, we would win. Amen, somebody? Like, so I'm going, I'm walking to Oklahoma, and it's going to take me a while. And so I don't want to go through Dallas, can't stand those Dallas people, so I'm going to walk all the way around to Midland first, way out of the way, and then I'm going to curve around Dallas and get to Oklahoma. That's going to take me at least twice as long. Well, why would they do that, Pastor? Why would that normally happen? Here's why. Jews hated Samaritans. How many of y'all know you've got to hate somebody a lot to double your trip just to avoid the town? They didn't want to smell Samaritans. They didn't want to see Samaritans. They, they didn't even want to be in just eye shot. Like they just could not stand. They hated Samaritans. And it actually, this had been happening for hundreds of years. And there's a lot of history there. I don't have time to get into. You can research it on your own if you like. But the hate ran deep. And the hate went all the way from the adults, the Jewish people hating Samaritans, all the way down to the children. Here's what I mean. They raised their children to hate Samaritans. So y'all remember when you were a kid, the, the best way that you could cut somebody down that you didn't like, you know, in school or whatever, is you said your mama jokes. Remember that back in the day? By the way, don't talk about people's mama, you know, just don't go there. But a lot of people go there as kids, like, I'm going to say something about your mama. Well, back then, it wasn't your mama jokes. The kids literally, they had turned Samaritan into a racial slur. And instead of saying, your mama's this and your mama's that, they would call Jewish children, they would call each other Samaritans, and it was the worst insult ever. Well, you're just a Samaritan. I, I'm just going to say it like it is. It was straight up evil, complete racism. It's what it was. That's not a new thing in our culture. It is evil. It is of the devil. It's been happening, unfortunately, for a long time. And what's the cure? Jesus. 
Jesus moving in hearts, and when he changes your heart, then you begin to love others, even though they may not look like you or sound like you. Can I get a better amen from somebody? That's the cure, not a government thing. That's the cure that we, we tell them about Jesus, and, and so is racism. So, so again, when I say Jews hated Samaritans, they hated them. They would avoid them, belittle them, taught their kids, raise their kids to hate them. It was a racial slur. It was absolutely horrible. And with all of that said, everything I just mentioned, happening for hundreds of years don't you love some jesus that doesn't walk around samaria he goes straight into samaria and he takes a water break and i think that's so awesome in fact i'll preach a little bit even in our situation and what you maybe are going through but jesus loves you so much that he will not avoid your problem he goes straight to the problem that jesus is all about breaking down barriers that man has put up i know we got a history that we hate them we can't stand them i know that's what's going on but boys we ain't skipping samaria we're going straight to the heart of it why because i'm on a mission i don't avoid the problem i don't avoid those that have been belittled and downcast by society i go straight to them and that is good news for us Everybody else would have skipped Samaria, not Jesus, not him. He goes right into the middle of it. So they get to Samaria, as we read, disciples, they go on a food run. Uh, Jesus isn't just physically like thirsty, like exhausted. He's hungry, so the disciples, so they go into town to get food. And Jesus takes that water break at the well. And there's this woman, this woman at the well. And he sees her there, and there's a lot happening in culture. You can tell now, if you didn't know it already, that she is thrown off by Jesus, a Jew, talking with her. That's why she calls it out. She's like, hey, just in case you didn't know, Jesus, you're Jewish. I'm a Samaritan. Why are you talking to me? So she calls that out, but there's even more there. In fact, there's a lot of tension, and I need you to feel this today. There's a lot of cultural tension besides the hate on both sides of that normally, not from Jesus, of course. But what did we read? The Samaritan woman, she is by herself at the well, and it's noon, 12 p.m. Now, that climate, maybe not the same kind of humidity that we have, but it's hot there, Middle East, where most of the Bible took place. And so you've got this woman that she is by herself at the well, and she's there at the hottest part of the day. And so this is very strange. This is awkward. And not only that, and, and, and I'll explain that more, but you need to know something else. Jesus, a man, in that culture, they would not talk with a woman in public um, that's not their wife. And so she's thrown off by that. There's awkward tension there. She's like, not only are you Jewish and I'm Samaritan, but you're a man and I'm a woman and we're not married. What's going on? Even beyond that, Jesus is a rabbi, a religious teacher. And so they especially would not talk with a woman by themselves in public. It did not happen again. Jesus is breaking this all down, but let's get back to noon and let's get back to her being by herself. According to that day in custom, every woman besides this one, obviously, but every woman, because it was so hot at noon, they would get water for them and their family for the day early in the morning or late at night. And by the way, you would too. This wasn't like you were like running like, you know, to Evian and just a tap and just like pulling down, you know what I mean? It wasn't like that. It was physical labor. She even said it was deep, right? The well. And so she's going there in the hottest part of the day, 
and she is lowering a bucket. She says it's deep. Some scholars think it was maybe 100 feet deep. And by hand, there's no automation here, she is lowering a bucket into the depth of the well. She is by hand wringing it up, pulling it up. And then not only that, she's got to carry it back to her family, and she needed enough water for the whole family for the entire day. So this is odd. This is strange. Why is she doing it then when no one would normally do that? Also, she's by herself. Now, according to that day, and this actually lasted a long time, till COVID, really. But according to that day, not only would women go early in the morning or late at night, and that's usually who would get the water while the guys were out in the fields, but they would do it together, not just at good times to do it where it's not hot, but they would do it together as a social activity. So that's why it's weird that she's by herself. And so basically, they'd be catching up with each other as they were getting water. And remember, that kind of translated our culture until COVID. You go kind of hang out at the water cooler at the office, right? And just hanging out there, you know, hey, y'all get back to work. We're just kind of catching up about our weekends and stuff. And so it lasted for a while. So she's there, heat of the day. She's there by herself. A man is talking to her that is not her husband, somebody she doesn't know. And so there is tension there. She knows that they're, they're, the race is there. They have hated each other. Like, what is going on? She's trying to figure all this out. And then Jesus takes it a step further. And it starts in verse 15 and goes all the way through verse 26. And for time's sake, I'm just going to sum it up for you, but it gets even more awkward. So here's what Jesus says to her. She's not getting this conversation. He's saying living water. She's like, where's that water at? She's trying to change the subject. She feels awkward because all the things that I said. So Jesus tells her this. He says, hey, why don't you go get your husband and bring him back with you? Here's her response. I don't have a husband. How many of y'all know that's awkward? If you ask a female, hey, where's your husband? And she's like, I don't have a husband. Like that's awkward, right? And so she's like, I don't have a husband. It gets more awkward. Jesus says this next, I know. Like, do you feel that tension? I need you to get there. This is so important for this story. And this is a true story. Some of you are thinking, why did he ask her then, right? And we'll get there in a moment, just a moment. Hey, bring back your husband. I don't have a husband. I know you don't have a husband. Here's what Jesus says next. You can read it for yourself. He's like, I know you don't have a husband. You've actually had five husbands. But to make it even more awkward, he says, yeah, not only have you had five husbands, like he's reading her mail, because this is all accurate. It's facts, Jesus, just facts. Not only have you had five husbands, but the dude you're with now, Jesus says, is not your husband and you're living with him. And so when he says this to her, can you imagine her countenance? Can you imagine what she's feeling? She's like, how did this guy know what's going on? Jesus calls her out on the sin that is in her life that well that she's been going to that is that keeps drying up and is not satisfying she was trying to avoid jesus but how many all know you can't avoid him for long try playing hide and seek with the king of kings and the lord of lords the god who is omnipresent he's gonna win every time y'all it's so like you try to hide from God, not only will he find you, he's actually already there. <laughs> You're going to lose. So she's avoided people. She tries to avoid Jesus, change the subject, move on, but he calls her out. Now, now listen, 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 you can't miss this. 
if you're new to church, new to the Bible, you'd be tempted to think that Jesus is shaming her. That's maybe where you're going in your mind. I gotta explain that for a moment. Like, why would he do that? If you're trying to be mean, it couldn't be farther from the truth. She is deflecting, she is avoiding, and so he has to get her attention. How many of y'all know, if Jesus called out to you the bad things you had done in your life, like exactly, that would get your attention. And so she no longer can change the subject. She no longer can talk about history with Jacob and Joseph and all that kind of stuff. She has to face the reality that she is going to a well, not just physically there, but in her life altogether, that is constantly drying up and not satisfying. She has to come face to face with that. So Jesus is not guilting her. He is not shaming her. He is calling her out, calling her to attention. Why? So he can bring her hope. And it's the same thing in your life. When Jesus calls you and I out on our sin, that which we do that is against God, he is not treating us like some little animal and we made a mess and rubbing our nose in it. That's not how God rolls. If you have that image of God, it is a corrupt image that is man-made, not how God wants you to see him. That's not who he really is. When you make a mistake, God in love will call your attention to it, not to make you feel guilty, but to bring sweet conviction so he can then offer you hope. Does anybody believe that in this room? That's who God is. And that's what he's done for her and that's what he's done for you and I. She can no longer hide from her sin. She can no longer avoid the reality of her fallen nature, who she really is. She can avoid the village, can't avoid her savior. And so Jesus doesn't go around the problem he walks straight into the middle of the problem. It's coincidence for her. It's actually divine intervention by God. He has this conversation. It gets super awkward, but it soon gets way better because now she gets it that this man is the Messiah. He is the one true God, and she gives her life to Jesus. But none of it would have happened unless she first had to come face to face that she is a sinner. You don't need a savior if you're not first a sinner. And you can judge this woman all you want, five guys, six guys, all this kind of stuff, but we are all sinners in need of a savior. Maybe your issue is not relationships. Maybe your issue is not sexual impurity. Maybe it's something else, but anything that is sin, it separates us from God. There's a wall, it is a barrier, but remember, what does Jesus do? He knocks down the walls. He goes right through the barriers. So if you kept reading, she gives her life to Jesus. And by the way, you would too if somebody read your mail like that. Her life is forever changed. It's not awkward anymore. Remember, she had gone to the wrong well. It was hurting her, not helping her. But now she's like, Jesus, you are living water. And I love the details and I almost missed this. I'm glad I did it. It's something I had never seen before. And I've preached this passage before. I've read it many times. Maybe you've read it a lot. There's something I've never seen before. And it's just another detail that's really, really cool to me. And it's not coincidence. But what did this woman say to Jesus? She said, or no, what did Jesus, excuse me, say to her? That you've had five husbands and the guy you're living with, number six, you're not married to, right? That's what Jesus says to her. So that's a number six. Now you gotta be careful a little bit with numerology in the Bible. So just clarifying that like some people get so twisted and lost in it okay so be careful 
But there is such a thing as numerology where you're studying the numbers and they do mean different things in the Bible. Some of you know this, but the number six is actually the number of man. And so you've got 666, the mark of the beast. You've at least heard of that before. Uh, I've even preached about end times, all that kind of stuff. You can find those series online. But that's really what it is. It's, it's, it's the number of man. And so she's had six men. Well, what happens next? They, they haven't satisfied her. And so here comes the seventh man. And that's Jesus. And just like Donna just said, seven is the number of perfection. Details matter. So six men did not satisfy her thirst. But one man, God himself, number seven, will always satisfy every thirst that we have, and that is the number of perfection. Don't you love the Bible? All the details involved with it. It's powerful. So Jesus is the one that she needed. He's the one that we need. So again, she gives her life to Jesus, and she goes now. This is so cool, so epic. She goes now back to her village, the people she avoided at all cost to tell them about Jesus. That happens in our lives too, by the way. When you really are saved and transformed by Jesus, you're like, man, if he can save me, he can save anybody. And you won't be quiet about it. That's just how it works, y'all. When he's forgiven you up so much, you're like, I need everybody to know about this. So she goes back to the people she's been avoiding and she starts bringing them back and enter in the disciples. So remember, they're on this food run and so now they get back on the scene. Now I'm going to read this part. Same chapter, verse 31 now. John 4, verse 31. Meanwhile, so why she's gone to get the village. Meanwhile, his disciples, they urged him. So they are back now. Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you know nothing about. Then his disciples said to each other, could someone have brought him food? <laughs> I think this is so funny. He, he, the Bible is like hilarious. If you don't think it's funny, you're reading it wrong or not reading it, okay? Like it, it's hilarious. So the, they come back and, uh, and we'll keep reading in a moment. Uh, I've got to say this. So, so they go get food and it's about a 10 mile round trip walking. Remember, he of the day. So they had to put some effort in this. It wasn't Uber Eats where it gets delivered. They, they were Uber Eats, all right? But on foot. And so they had about a 10 mile round trip walk, he of the day. They bring food back because everybody was hungry and Jesus doesn't want the food and they are frustrated and you would be too. They're like, what's going on? And you hear them like ask this question. They basically hear what they're asking. Did that Samaritan woman give him like a sandwich or something while we were gone? Did she make some fried chicken? Like what's going on? Like they're frustrated with Jesus. And so now Jesus has already gotten the woman at the well's attention. Now he's gonna get the disciples attention because they were a part of that Jewish culture that avoided Samaritans. Because some of you are like, pastor, great message, so cute, but I'm not that woman at the well. Okay, that's fine, but you are a disciple. And so God's here to get your attention too. Here's what he says. Got real quiet up in here. Verse 34, my food, said Jesus. So he's not talking to the Samaritan, he's talking to his boys, the OG disciples. My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Don't you have a saying, it's still four months until the harvest? I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Jesus is now giving, getting their attention. He says literally, take your eye off of this square meal 
that we're just going to get hungry again in a few hours and lift up your eyes to the fields. What was happening in the fields? This woman was bringing her entire village to meet Jesus. If that don't give you goosebumps, man, I'm telling you, that is so powerful. Get your eyes, disciples, get your eyes off of the temporary and look up. I know it's those dirty Samaritans. I know our culture has hated them. Racism, complete and utter evil for hundreds of years. But that time is done. Lift up your eyes and there are hurting people. There are thirsty people all around. I'm not talking about Africa. I'm not talking about another nation. In our own backyard, look up and see the fields. They are ripe. They are ready for harvest. And this woman who avoided her village, she brings her village to Jesus. The Bible says, if you kept on reading, that many got saved. And not only that, they asked Jesus to stay for the weekend. How awesome is that? They're like, "Um, Jesus, we know you're going to Galilee, but can you hang for a couple of days? And he does. He does. Why? Because it was his mission to come to save the hurting, the broken, the lost, those that have been downcast and pushed aside. Is this not stirring you a little bit? This should. Because if you're not the woman at the well, you're a disciple. And if you're going to follow Jesus, he's trying to get your attention. You're so stuck on the temporary, and you got to lift up your eyes. Not another nation, another country, anything like in our own city. There are people that have been pushed aside, hated, belittled. And Jesus has called you and I not to walk around the problem, but to go straight to the problem. Why? Because they are thirsty, and they're going to all the stuff. Think back to when you were first saved, going to all the things, and it does not satisfy. But right here, we have Jesus the well that never runs dry, living water. Has God got your attention today? Living water. Get your eyes off the temporary and look up all around us and there's people that need to come to know Jesus. Here's how I want to end today. Pastor Tony, come play behind me if you can. Sometimes I say that and she's like, all right, there, <laughs> come play behind me. I want you not to stir and may I ask you to, to do something because I want you to take a practical and really it's a spiritual step because I believe if you're not the woman at the well you're a disciple and we got to get our eyes off the temporary and lift up look up lift our eyes to see the opportunity all around us and so here's the step that I want us to take and I want you to do it as quietly as you can just to honor this moment I believe God's speaking to you God's convicting you you've been so focused on temporary things but when you came in we don't have this online but we do have it in the room when you came in today in one of the seat back pockets in front of you. Now, front row people, y'all, y'all awesome, by the way. Nobody ever wants to sit in the front row. Y'all are awesome, man. I love it. Like, everybody's gonna look at the back of my head, man. Set the example. I love that. And so underneath the front row, or in the front row, it's underneath your seats. But every other row, in the seat back pocket in front of you, there's a card that looks like this. It says, pack the house, and it's got a magnet. I want everybody to grab that right now, as quietly as you can. Don't be that man or that woman with pride. Well, you told me to do it, so I'm not gonna do it. That's pride. Pride is sin. Don't let that stop you from grabbing a piece of paper, okay? So it's not one per family, it's one per person. I want my family to grab this. I want elders to grab it, staff to grab it. I'm gonna participate in this today. You see, it says pack the house there and it's got a magnet clip and and you need to grab a pen as well. 
and it's asking you a question. Who are your top three? What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm trying to connect the dots for you because if you're not the woman at the well, you're a disciple. And God is looking at you and me and really he set us up for this all series long. It's been inward, inward, inward and now it's gotta, it's gotta go outward. It doesn't stay here. So who are the top three people or families in your circle that you can bring to get close to Jesus, living water? We do series, I'll just be real honest with you, okay? I'm just gonna say it like it is. We do series like the one we're doing in February and you can see it there at the bottom. We do series like that, not for you. Well, that hurts my feelings. Get over it. Church is not for just church people. We're here to bring people to Jesus because he is living water. And so we do series like relationship goals. Yeah, you're gonna get something out of it. Absolutely, you will. But it's really for your neighbor. It's really for that person in your life that they, they're going through a horrible divorce. Maybe they just lost their spouse, they passed away. Yeah, they're still married maybe, but there's issues or maybe they're single and they've been single for a while or single again as they're trying to navigate all of that. Or just in general, there's a strained relationship in their life. We do series like the one in February, not just for church people, but so you have a tool to reach out to those that are broken around you. What does Jesus say? Look up, look out in the fields. The harvest is ready, the harvest is ripe, but somebody's gotta bring them to Jesus. This woman's life was changed, and what did she do? The people she avoided, she brought to Jesus. And if your life has been changed, there should be something on the inside of you right now. Hey, maybe I never invited somebody to church. I'm gonna, I'm gonna do it this, this series. So here's what I'm gonna have you do today. Get that pen, and here in just a moment, the Holy Spirit, maybe he's already speaking to you, but you're gonna write down your top three here, and then once you write that down today, you're gonna take this home with you. That's why there's a magnet clip on top. I don't want this back. Does me no good for you to leave it blank or, or fill it out and leave it here. You take this home and you put it on your fridge. That way, this all upcoming week and even throughout the series, you are praying for these three people or these three families that don't know Jesus. By the way, I'm not trying to get you to steal somebody from another church. That's not what we're looking for here. I'm talking about people that don't know Jesus. People that you work with, go to school with in your family neighborhood, all that kind of stuff, apartment complex. So you're gonna write down these names the Holy Spirit reveals it to you. You're gonna put it on your fridge and every day that you go get something because you're thirsty and you get some water, you get a soda, whatever it is, you're gonna pray for that person. And then not only pray, but take a step of obedience. Well, I don't wanna do that, Pastor. You, you gotta get over it. You gotta get over that because God is telling us the harvest is ready. Now I'll say this and then, then we'll pray. Here in America, we don't like to be in environments that are full, right? I remember even when COVID happened, you know, March, 2020, my wife and I, I think after a couple of months, like we kept going like to public places and that maybe offends you, but like we, we did masks and we sanitized. We weren't like trying to like spread stuff or get stuff, but we still went out. And I remember during COVID that we went to, movie theaters we live right by we live in cyprus 10 minutes away live right by the star cinema grill i don't know if you've been there before basically you can eat while you watch the movie it's right by our neighborhood and so we would go there during peak covid and we loved it because guess what we were the only people in the movie theater so we'd stretch out you know we kiss a little bit too you know like it was awesome 
If that offends you, you maybe should skip this next series. It won't be way juicier. <laughs> it's all Bible though, but we're gonna talk about stuff because we need to get our relationships godly. And so it was awesome, front row parking spot. You know, one thing that drives me crazy is I've been to almost all of the major sports teams here in Houston, but what happens when you go is you gotta pay like $60 and you park like two miles away, right? And so, so, so here's what I'm trying to come against. We have this mentality and it's eased its way into the church. Not just our church, but every church in America, it seems. But we have this mentality that I want plenty of space. I want the front row parking spot. I want the special service. Pastor, this is my chair. By the way, it is not your chair. Your name is not on it. If we find your name on it, we will clean it off. For real. It's not your chair. Well, this is my section or this is my row. I need at least a couple of seats. We've taken this mentality that when I go to get entertained, the movie, the sports game, I want plenty of space, easy parking. And that's cool outside the church building. But I'm gonna say it loud and clear until I lose my voice that what is happening today in every single day that we gather, it is not entertainment. I am not here to do a song and a dance to perform for you. That's not what I'm doing. I am here to preach Jesus and God's word and to get your eyes off the temporary and to look up at the eternal opportunity. And you may not like it, but you need to take that offense up with God because it's so clear in his word that even the disciples were so focused on the temporary. And they had to lift up their eyes to the hurting, broken people all around them. And so I wonder today, will you get your eyes off the temporary? And will you look up? Will you allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you and not be a prideful man or a prideful woman? Don't tell me what to do, Pastor. I'm not going to invite people. It's not my personality. Get over it. If you're a disciple, you get people to Jesus. Now, is that the only way? No, of course, you can share your faith. Absolutely. We did all kinds of lessons yesterday about that at our shift conference. But one of the ways you get people to Jesus is to bring them into his house. Not the only way. One of the ways. There's a whole story, and don't even show the verse here. Just leave it blank. I don't have time to, to get into it. But there's a whole story in Luke 14, and Jesus talks about his house and filling it up. And I preached on it before, but he uses this illustration of, of a banquet and the people that were invited wouldn't even come. They had all these dumb excuses, you know. It's like, well, I got this going on or this. And so Jesus says, hey, hey, go out into the highways and the byways, the streets, and get whoever you can to fill up my house. And that's our calling. This church is not some country club. I'm so grateful you're here. Absolutely I am. Trust me, I remember those days where it was all online and I was here by myself preaching to nobody through a camera. Like it's way better when you're here. Church is not just for you, it's not just for me. There's people that are thirsty. They need to drink living water, just like you drink living water. Be changed by Jesus. Y'all with me, church? So you got that in your hand, close your eyes. Jesus, speak to us. Maybe we're not the woman at the well, but we're a disciple. We get our eyes off of that meal, thinking about lunch and this thing, stuff that's just not gonna last. Jesus, you said to us, my food is to do God's will, to fulfill the mission, to not focus on temporary things that will not satisfy, but to lift up 
my eyes and lift up other people's eyes to see the harvest is ripe, it's ready. There's people that are broken all around us, not another country, in our country, in our city. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, reveal our top three people that we can pray for and then also take an active obedience to invite them. And I pray we take this home, put it on our fridge, that every time we go to get a drink of water, we'd remember that there's those that are spiritually dehydrated pray for them and to step out in boldness to fill up your house not so we can say oh look at us but so more people come to know you that's the heart it's why our vision here is heaven full and hell empty it's why we do what we do this is not some country club this is a hospital that we get as many broken hurting people in so they can hear about you we believe that your house is a place of restoration your house is a place of healing so speak to us God speak to us now I pray Keep your eyes closed with me. We're almost done. Jesus, I also pray for those that maybe they do relate more to the woman at the well. They've been going to relationships and maybe the bottle. Maybe they did, they've forsaken their family and just all about their career because they feel like that will satisfy. Maybe it's been all about their bank account. If I can just make more, make more, then I'll be satisfied. And God, you're revealing that to them today. You're in their face a little bit, but we need that to get our attention. And you're revealing to them right now, men and women, that we've been going to the wrong well that dries up. And it will not satisfy our thirst. And if that's anybody here in this service, and it's probably at least a few, but if that's anybody here in the room or online, I pray today they would come to you, the living water. Stop going to the old wells and the old ways. But they would come to you, Jesus, just as they are. And Jesus, we know that you're faithful to break down those walls, to break down those barriers, to push through our sin, to come in and save our life. So if that's you, you want a taste of living water. Yeah, you've been thirsty. But you've been thirsting for the wrong things and you want to come to Jesus so he can save you. If that's you, here's your opportunity. Here's your moment been talking about John 4 all day today. Your eyes are still closed with me. You're just thinking and listening to what God's saying to you. We've been in John 4, but there's another book in the Bible. It's called Romans. It takes place a little bit after John. And in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, Jesus makes it clear how you give your life to him, how you partake in his living water. Here's what it says. Romans 10, verse 9 that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you confess, you speak it out loud, and you believe. And so right now in this room and online, you can do that. You can whisper to the Lord. You tell him this, Jesus, I confess that you are God. I speak that out loud. Jesus, I confess that you are God. And Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross and that you rose from the dead. I believe it really happened. And so Jesus, I ask you, you've got to ask him this. Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sin, to break down those barriers, to forgive me and heal me from the inside out. I partake of your living water the well that never runs dry springs of eternal life 
Thank you, God, for those that are making that decision today. It is the best decision they could ever make. God, you didn't go around them. You didn't avoid them. You have walked straight into their life to deal with the sin and to save their soul. Thank you for what you've done today. We give you all the glory and all the honor. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Thank you so much for listening today. If you made a decision for Jesus Christ or if your life has been impacted in any way, please send us an email at info at We would love to hear your story. And for those that committed your life to Christ, we want to help you on your new journey by sending our free Start Bible Kit in the mail. If you'd like to partner with us financially, simply click on the Give tab at ChristCove.net. There it will take you to a safe and secure page where you can set up a one-time or recurring gift to help us accomplish our vision, heaven full and hell empty. And as always, you can find out more about Christ Covenant on our website or on Facebook or Instagram at Christ Cove Houston. 